This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guest this week is the incredible Mignon Francois. Mignon is a speaker, entrepreneur, and community leader who has inspired thousands. After years of drowning in debt and brokenness, Mignon founded the Cupcake Collection in 2008 on the last $5 she had to feed her family and turned it into a legacy with over 5 million cupcakes sold. Her grassroots story of success has garnered national attention from today with Hoda and Jenna, Southern Living, entrepreneur and business insider, just to name a few. In addition, her business savvy has earned her numerous titles and awards, including Woman of Legend and Merit, Entrepreneur of the Year, Women's Empowerment Innovator, NAACP, Power Shift Entrepreneur, and Black Enterprise Magazine's Family Business of the Year. Mignon is committed to teaching anyone who will listen about what they can do if they believe. In her new memoir, which comes out in May, Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe, Mignon shares her story of finding success with no presets in place, mapping a journey that led to the joy that has become synonymous with Mignon Francois. Let me tell you, you are going to fall in love with Mignon. We had the best conversation. We laughed so much. She is one of those people who just radiates joy from within. Her story is incredibly powerful. She is somebody who I just felt an immediate connection with, and we just had the best time, and I know you're going to love her. So without further ado, let me get to my chat with Mignon Francois. All right. I am already convinced that today is going to be really fun because Mignon and I have been laughing and we haven't even really started recording yet. So finally, we were just like, all right, we need to hit record because we're going to have a good time. I was saying as we were getting started that um, that, you know, she was basically Mignon was alluding to the fact that, you know, she can plan for these things. But, you know, the spirit's going to take us where the spirit's going to take us. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like God is like, you got plans. That's adorable. And that is, I say that that is in the book of second hesitations and where it says the Lord thinketh that you are adorable. Um, anyway, (laughs) so Mignon, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. I feel like I am at home. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I have so in like podcasting might be the second of my love languages. Yeah. I think cake is my first love language. For obvious reasons. And then, you know, probably podcasting next (laughs) because I really love to learn. And I feel like I'm learning something new every day. And I have just connected to the people who get to do this every day. And I'm just really excited. Oh, so fun. I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, I, (laughs) I, I, you know, I, it's funny because I've gotten to 
sit down and just have conversations with people that I'm like in another life, like I would never have been able to meet this person. So it's it's a really yeah. cool it's a cool job, I guess. You know, I'm like, yeah, yes. this is my job. Although it's funny when you do have a cool job when people in my personal life that like aren't really into podcasts and stuff, I, I always get the question like, what? what do you do? What is a pot? What is a podcast? They think it's like a mm. hobby. I'm like, no, it's not a hobby. Like, <laughs> like, that's cute. That little thing where you talk on a microphone. Um, anyway. Okay. Well, we're, let's dive in Mignon. Um, first, can I just say, saying your name, Mignon Francois, like it's so fun. Well, let me say, and I was just going to say, listen, you say it so well. Mignon. I just want to hear you say it. I feel like I just want you to record it. (laughs) And then let me let me teach some people French, because I cannot tell you how many times I have been called Mignon. (laughs) And I just want to say, you're like, "Mm -mm." do you really think that's what my mother named me? Is Mignon. This is not okay. (laughs) So, okay, so full full disclosure. So when I was in elementary school, my elementary school had a French immersion program. So I Mm -hmm. spent half my day in French from kindergarten through sixth grade. And um, so I learned all of my math and all of my science in French. Now, why was that? So, I, I, you know, and a lot of schools like now, granted, I did not know a lot of schools that had French as the immersion. Like I've my my -hmm. daughter went to a school for a little bit uh, that had a Spanish immersion program. But Mm -hmm. mine just happened to have French. And my parents really wanted me to grow up and learn other cultures and other languages. And so Mm -hmm. they Mm-hmm. enrolled me in that French immersion program. And, and, um, mm-hmm. but the funny thing about it is I, I can't really speak it anymore. I can, if I can read it and like say the mignon, François, you know, like I can say that, but I can't really understand it. I can actually speak Spanish better, but here's a funny thing is my husband who was born and raised in North Carolina. He has a very thick, deep voice that is, you know, with a little bit of a Southern drawl. And he also speaks French, but he because he took French growing up. And it's very funny, though, because he does not have the pronunciation like accent at all. And so it's basically (laughs) him like as a Southern deep voiced man saying French words. And it just sounds really (laughs) hilarious. Okay, and I'll get this and I'm digressing, but I have to I have to say this. So you got to go back in time. Were you ever familiar with in the 90s, there was a show on Nickelodeon called All That and Keaton Thompson was on it Yes, and he had a character, you know exactly where I'm going with this, is Pierre Escargot, Pierre Escargot. And so my husband is basically (laughs) Pierre Escargot where he just like says it. He's like, ha, 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 ha. Anyway, if you don't know what Pierre Escargot is, just go Google it. Keaton Thompson, Pierre Escargot. My children <laughs> used to love that show so and funny. they would be doing that all of the time. <laughs> yeah. We loved all that yes, and watched all that as a family. And you know what I think is so funny is that maybe why I love laughter so much is because I've never grown up. And I Same. asked my mother who just turned 75, mom, when am I ever going to grow up? And she said, well, if I'm any indication, <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> Okay, so your aunts watch cartoons and 
I think I think it's a part of living longer. Yes. So my dad, I, your mom and my dad must be like kindred spirits because my dad is 70. <laughs> he's almost 79. And I mm-hmm. and his like life motto, as long as I've known him, is growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. <laughs> and so my dad at 79. People usually use that like a slam, but I mm-mm. that's. That's really I like the perspective. Yeah. I like that perspective. It's all up here. It's all it's all mental. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, we, we've already talked good. about PRS cargo, so we know that this is gonna be good. Okay, so Mignon, um, give us the Mignon 101. <laughs> so tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to be on this podcast today. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I am a mother of six plus one. I am the grandmother to eight people who are the reason why I want to be successful. I started on the last $5 that I had for dinner one week, sitting in the back of my house without any electricity, trying to follow this Dave Ramsey baby step plan by putting money in envelopes that for those who will read the book will find out I was hiding the money in Mm -hmm. order to save it. And so I was keeping this money in envelopes in order to just gather enough money in order to keep our lights on. And when my neighbor knocked on the door and says, will you make cupcakes for me? And all I have is $5 and I haven't allotted anything for our family to eat. And I have this come to Jesus moment and say, God, really? I've been working on this for so long and you bring me this opportunity when I don't have any money to take it. And God says to me, but I feed birds and they don't look like me and they don't toil and they don't store up in barns. How much more will I do for you? And so I was, okay, bet we'll see. So I get my shoes on and I walk around the corner to the Kroger that's in my neighborhood and I buy everything I can buy with the $5 that I have. Believing that she's going to pay me like she said that she would. And but what if she did it? Like I was gambling. And so, because, you know, sometimes when people say they're going to pay you, they mean kind of ish, you know, Mm -hmm. when I when I get it or when I get paid or at the end of the month. But she meant what she said. When you give me some product, I'll give you some money. And so I turned that five into 60 that night and turned that 60 into 600 by the end of the week. And I've been flipping that same money for 17 years. Mm -hmm. I've been able to bootstrap my company with that initial five dollar injection. To over 5 million cupcakes have been sold at this point. Um, We've kind of just stopped counting anymore. Yeah. We have two locations, one in Nashville and one in New Orleans. And we've been voted as the best cake in both states. And at our last check, we were the only bakery that held a position in more than one state as the best. But we believe that's because that's the only place that our cupcake collection exists. Our goal now is to spread um, joy across the country following the path where we've been historically enslaved as Mm -hmm. I come from a lineage of enslaved people. My father being the last of the family members that was born on the plantation. And so now I think it's really cool that I get to make lots of money and help other people to grow and learn home ownership and graduate from college and all of these wonderful things in the same 
industry that enslaved my ancestors, I get to offer freedom and experience freedom myself. Oh my goodness. So that's the, that's the short version. Okay. <laughs> A lot to unpack there, Mignon. Um, okay. Well, first, so, so you alluded, you know, you've got these two locations, one in New Orleans, one in Nashville. Um, my nine-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, because I know that you're from New Orleans. Um, my nine-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. I kid you not, if you were to ask her today, where is your dream vacation? She would say New Orleans. Mm-hmm. She... That is where she wants to go. Um, She, Mm -hmm. I, yeah, she, every single day, she'll be like, mom, when can we go to New Orleans? She's never been there, but she has read a couple of books that happened to take place Mm -hmm. in New Orleans. And so ever since then, she's just like, this is, this is my dream. What's the books that she's read? So the first one is called um, Viva Durant and the Secret of the Silver Buttons. So it's a, it's a kid's book. So she, she loves the audiobook version of it. And, um, it's funny because the narrator of it, it's real good because uh, I've listened to it with her before, too. But the, the narrator of it, when I first heard her listening to it, I was like, I know that narrator. And it's the same narrator for anybody that loves audiobooks who did the narration for um, The Hate You Give and On the Come Up, those two books, uh-huh. um, I think by Angie uh-huh. Thomas. Um, anyway, same narrator. But anyway, Viva Durant, mm. Secret of the Silver Buttons. But it like kind of takes place all around New Orleans. She loves that book. Then there's another one called Jukebox Joyride. That's another audiobook she really loves. Oh, I like the name of that. Yeah, but it's basically about these kids that come across this jukebox that like takes them back into time to different eras of music and like the origin of music. Mm -hmm. And one of them is kind of like the origin of jazz and it goes to New Orleans and she Uh learned about the history of jazz and it's just like all interactive anyway. But because of those Mm -hmm. two books, she's obsessed with New Orleans. Anytime she hears New Orleans, she just is immediately like... I want to go there. Um, so as, but I. Oh my gosh. What's her name? Her name is Lily. Or can I ask? Yeah. Her name's Lily. Lily. Okay. Lily. She's nine. And um, mm-hmm. she's going to be, be like, mom, you talked to somebody who's from New Orleans today. I'll be like, yes, yes, I did. And she'll immediately think that I'm cool. Um, Cause I'm already not cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even when she's not, I love I'm, that. I'm not cool. Um, okay. I love these books because I'm gonna. Yeah. I, we love Audible in our house, and I you will love listening them. to that age group. Yes, because my children and I, like I said, I grew up with my children, so my children and I love to listen to these kind, this era, this genre. So I cannot wait to introduce that. To yeah, they're Lincoln, fantastic. Eight year old granddaughter. Yeah, they're on. She will love them. They're on um, Audible, and then the Viva Durant one actually has a sequel too so uh-huh. you got to listen to the okay. first one first secret of the silver <laughs> buttons you got to well, I mean, she's gonna have to watch princess and the frog oh she, oh she loves princess and the frog okay oh yeah are you kidding are you so, kidding <laughs> i actually got a chance to meet the real princess who <gasps> the story is made about um, so she uh she died recently um but she was the queen of Creole cooking. And so when you take her to New Orleans, you're going to have to take her over to Dookie Chase's so that she can actually eat in the restaurant that ends up happening at the end. My goodness. Okay. Adding this to the bucket list. (laughs) Um, Okay. So see, here we go. So 
so you're, you know, you're born and raised in New Orleans. What, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love what you, you alluded to. Cause like I said, there's a lot to unpack here, but one of the things I think is so powerful mm-hmm. that I want to hit on right away is something that you talked about how you are at this point in your career, you're building this generational wealth. You're able to not only provide for your family, but employ others. And you're growing these businesses mm-hmm. that are employed, you know, helping the economy, all, all those kinds of things. But you alluded to using an ingredient that was once um, a product, you know, the reason that your ancestors and and your relatives were enslaved, and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, sugar. And um, Mm -hmm. so can you talk about that and kind of unpack that for us? Because I just think that is so, what a redemptive, beautiful picture of healing and hope and Mm -hmm. taking something that was once broken and brutal and Mm -hmm. gruesome and turning it into something that is really beautiful and and creates a a legacy that is going to live beyond you for generations to come. Mm -hmm. For generations. And one of the things that I'm learning in the process is some of the traumas and um, issues that we see in, in this current generation or in the generations before us have more to do with with what that enslavement did to my ancestors generationally. And so what I've learned is that we are not so far away from enslavement as generations. So we might be more, we might be further away as individuals, Mm -hmm. but generationally we're not very far away from it. So like I said, my father was born on the plantation. His eldest sister who was 86, grew up on the plantation. Mm. And so we're not so far by generations away from it. And so I think there's a lot of learning that we still have to do. There's a lot that I feel very proud of to know and being from New Orleans. I truly feel like there's no greater place in the world to be (laughs) from. But I think at the same time, there's, it's all about the perspective that I choose to use, mm-hmm. right? It's all about me seeing what I can take from the dirt and the filth of this and turn into something beautiful that I can use and teach my grandchildren and children that come after us. Listen, I am amongst the first generation of African-Americans that have access to wealth building as far as like transferring generational wealth in that we were taught to work at the same company for 35 years and you be grateful and you climb the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. I'm able to now pass on to my children businesses and wealth transference outside of an insurance policy. And they then are able to pass on to their children what I believe will be privileged. Mm -hmm. I believe they will be the first as a collective from this whole community of people that will see privilege in a way that I've never been able to experience it and that my parents certainly could not experience Mm it. As I was talking, my my father passed away two years ago Mm -hmm. this month. And as my mom was reminiscing on some things, she remembered coming to New Orleans. They came to New Orleans on their honeymoon because my father, she was coming to meet his family, his biological family. And she remembers going on the plantation where my grandfather was still working 
to find him and she couldn't find him. She's working and living on the plantation uh, at that point as a sharecropper. But she's she said, I just remember it being a very, very dark place. I remember it being really long roads to travel. And she just had never seen anything like that before. And so just having access to these people and to their stories has has been game changing. Things that she was like, man, I didn't even realize I had forgotten about that Mm -hmm. stuff. But writing this book has brought up so much for me in my life and just pulling out some of the images and things and seeing um, how my mother had an opportunity to be raised and the things she had access to as a Black family versus my father as a Black family from the Deep South and my mother being from the Midwest. Wow, that's so powerful. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really love the way that you said just the your, I guess the vision that you have for the what your that legacy that you're leaving for your kids and your grandkids and their kids and their generations and their children and their children. <laughs> um, and that's just I mean, and I even think about like it comes to mind, I think it's in um, uh, Deuteronomy, where it's like, you mm-hmm. know, when it talks about when the Lord is like, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you for from generation to generation. And like, that is so powerful. Um, That's so good. I talk about that in the book. See, ah! I, I think. See, Okay. I'm telling you, we're here, right? We are. Here. We are. We're here. We're here. We're <laughs> I, 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 oh, it's so good. Okay. Uh, um, because okay. I talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. How God was awakening me at 317 every morning. Wow. Telling me, you know, it's like, so what, one of the things that makes me joyful is knowing that God has spoken and I heard it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I want people to know that we all have this encounter with God. It's just like a muscle. If you're willing to work that muscle, it becomes stronger, like like any muscle. I laugh a lot. And, you know, when I finish laughing, I tell my kids all the time, these are my sit ups for the day. (laughs) (laughs) This is my exercise. Same. (laughs) And, you know, it's so it's a muscle to be able to hear God speak and to be able to follow, even though. It might look like crazy because I believe there's a really thin line between what looks like crazy and the Holy Spirit. And so, <laughs> amen, that'll preach. I find joy knowing that I've heard God speak and that then I'm listening, right? And so as God was awakening me, one morning I turned on the TV and the man on the, on the TV was saying, the morning breeze has something to tell you. Do not go back to sleep. Well, I'm from New Orleans. I don't mess with that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about right now. I'm going to get you off my TV. And then he says it again. But on the third time of him saying it, he reframes it and says, God is trying to speak to you. This is the only time you'll be silent. And he has something that he wants to say. And I was like, okay. So now that you're getting up, it's going to be hard because now you know that God is trying to commune with you. You might be scared, but just put your feet on the ground and show up. And so he was right. It took me a week to end back up in this place that I had been ending up every day. And I was waking up like clockwork at 3.17 every day. I'm looking at the clock. It's going to say 3.17, not 3.16, not 3.18. I open my eyes, look to my right. It's 3.17. So I end up on the sofa a week later after, you know, I know what I'm here for. And I see a Bible down underneath my coffee table. And I was just like, okay, God, I'm here. I came to hear you speak. 
Please don't talk. <laughs> I don't, I don't hear nothing you actually have to say, but I do want to hear you. <laughs> and so I just got the Bible and I just opened it. The word of God says that God's word is living and active. And in order for something to live and be active, it has to have the properties of living things and active things, right? So it means it has to move and it be it has to be able to breathe, right? Life. And so I open it and the first book it falls into, it falls on chapter three. And I go, this must have to do with 317. So I scroll down to verse 17 and I get my first message from God where God tells me that he loves me so much and he's about to show me. And so every morning I'm waking up, starting in a different book of the Bible at chapter three, verse 17. When he gets ready to stop waking me up, I end up in Deuteronomy 30 and 19. And then shortly after that, same day, Joshua one and nine. And he says, choose life. I'm setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Do not go to the left or to the right from everything that I've told you. Be careful to follow my instructions. And then your family will be prosperous in every place that you place your feet. And I was just like, okay. You know, I'm listening <laughs> yeah. with, you know, I'm listening with my heart. And I'm like, I'm I have been sitting in a home that doesn't have regular electricity. And I have been sitting in a house where the water doesn't turn on just because I want it to. And I'm living in a house that I moved into with two rooms and a half bathroom, which was a toilet and a tub. And God is telling me, if you do what I tell you, everything that you do from here on is going to be blessed and you will live, which led me to understand that there's two reasons that we will close our eyes in forever sleep. This is just what I believe. We will close our eyes for only one of two reasons. Either we fulfill our purpose or we ignore it. And God was telling me, do not ignore what I'm telling you to do. If you do not ignore it, that's choosing life or just decide to die, right? And that he wasn't giving me any more business ideas because I had had business idea after business idea after business idea and I would start them and I would not finish them and I would not see them to fruition. And what God was saying was, look, I'm tired of giving you ideas and you keep saying you want stuff and you keep saying you want to be able to provide and then you don't follow anything through, which let me begin to see, oh, I'm good at starting some stuff, mm. but I'm not good at finishing. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what happens when I get to the finish line. I'm going to be successful. And that means I've got to wake up and I've got to show up and I got to go when I don't feel like going and I have to do it when my head is hurting and I've got to do it when my body's aching and I've got to stay up all night and still show up, you know, to the table whenever anybody needs something from me or when I've committed to a thing. And it just showed me that I was never afraid to fail. I was afraid to be successful. Mm. And like these were the things that God was showing me as he was waking me up at three o'clock in the morning to have a conversation with me. And the first thing I say to him is, please don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so interesting that you you talked about kind of just it's that having that shift where you're willing to sit and to listen and then to actually do. And I'd had mm -hmm. a conversation uh, with somebody recently where, where 
you know, it was, he basically said, you know, you asked to hear from God, but then are you going to actually do what he says? Like if you if you hear mm-hmm. him, are you going to actually do what he says or are you going to be fearful? Are you going to, yeah. you know, be in analysis paralysis? And then yeah. even this morning I was in just studying, uh, like doing my just daily uh, Bible study and it was kind of coming across the end of King Saul's life. And one of the mm-hmm. things um, is towards the end of King Saul's life, he he inquires of the Lord kind of for the first time mm-hmm. near the end mm-hmm. of his life. And he prays and God doesn't answer his prayer. God kind of stays mm-hmm. silent. And mm-hmm. one of the commentaries I read was like, God stayed silent. Cause God's like, look, I've already given you instructions and you're not listening. So like, why would I give you yeah. new instructions? And I kind of was like, Oh, yeah. Is, so if you, if you're leading, let's just follow you. Then. Right. Right. I'm like, that's, yeah. but like that, that's convicting for me yeah. too. Cause sometimes I'll be like, mm-hmm. all right, Lord. And like, I'll ask him. And he's like, mm, you're not already doing what I've told you to do. <laughs> so like, why am I going to give you new, des- you know, new, something new to do? I want to transition just a, a hair because I could go off on like a whole, uh, you know, uh, tangent there. Um, but, but I mean, it's related to what you're talking about because I want to go back to what you were saying about uh, using that last $5. And all I could think mm-hmm. about when you were saying that was like the story of the five loaves and two fish is like, you're literally mm-hmm. bringing your $5 and your ingredients <laughs> for your two fish and being like, okay, Lord, <laughs> like multiply this. Um, and just believing and trusting. Um, but I, I, I think I personally connected with that piece of your story. Um, because that is a little bit similar to my story certainly not mm-hmm. how I got into debt and but I I got to a point where I was in some pretty significant debt like tens and th- tens of thousands of dollars in consumer mm-hmm. credit card debt mm-hmm. and hit a financial rock bottom where I had nothing and I you know not mm-hmm. only had no money to my name I was like you know I'd overdrafted my account again and um yeah and then you get to that point where you you're just like all right, I'm bringing what I got. And uh, Lord, I'm going to need you to take care of the rest. Um, mm-hmm. So because that is a piece of the story that I I personally really connected with, um, would you kind of walk us through, like, how did you get to that point? What led you to that that point of desperation where you were like, all right, I'm going to go the Dave Ramsey method. I had, I wish I'd known about Dave Ramsey when I was trying to get out of debt. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, how you got to that point where then you were just like, all right. Cause the other thing too, and I'm, I don't want to like steal your thunder is you didn't even Mm -hmm. really know how to bake at the time, which I, which I think is not even out of a box. Hilarious. Okay. So tell us that story. So I was, we had just moved to Nashville. We had gotten a position and I say we, because I was a stay at home mom. So we had gotten a position at this cabinet company. My husband, I got you. I got a job. I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I got a job at this cabinet company and the region that he was to open fell through. So it's like we had sold tools to get here. We were coming for a new life. Our children were going to live in an affluent neighborhood and their lights, which is going to work when they turned on the lights. And then we get here and none of that happens. And so they tell him, you can be an installer. That's the consolation prize. You get door number three. Yeah. 
and we've sold all of our tools to get here. And so he takes it and starts working as a cabinet installer for a little while when um, he starts, he stumbles upon this neighborhood and invites me to lunch. And so I come down to this neighborhood and we find this house that we fall in love with. It's dilapidated. It's it's um, it's not fit for humans to live in. And we I basically say to him, this is what you want us to be excited about. Take me somewhere <laughs> else. And so we go down the street and eat at a restaurant on the corner. And I started noticing that the people were coming outside of their houses and they were coming into this restaurant and eating. And it just reminded me of New Orleans and the sidewalks were brick. And I had had a conversation with God. I didn't realize this until after we moved into the house where we end up starting the business. But I had a conversation with God. I said, God, listen, when I get to Nashville, I'm only living in an apartment for one year. I've been doing this with you all this time, following your lead, and you're going to have to help him follow me. <laughs> and if he doesn't follow me, God, then you're going to have to supply. I talk so much about like my arrogance of thinking it should be my way when all along it was really never my idea. Mm -hmm. It was God's idea. None of this was a mistake. None of it was a surprise to him. All of it was coming to teach us what the sort of grit that we needed to go through in order to be able to handle what he was taking us to. But I wanted my husband to follow me. I wanted, you know, because I was like, you know, a stay-at-home mom who managed the household and things like that. So whatever you bring to me, if it's not enough, what am I supposed to do with that? I had an encounter with God in church and decided to listen to what he said to do in the offering. And so from there, you know, you'll have to read all about it <laughs> inside it. of the book because I don't want to take you too far, you know, yeah. down a rabbit hole because I can do that. But it was in that offering that God saw me and says, okay, Mignon, since you were willing to do that, it was kind of like Solomon asking for wisdom. I just wanted to be able to give. And so God blessed the fact that I wanted to be able to give and started putting things in my hands that I could give. But we got there just because of bad decision-making, not knowing how to um, delay gratification, not listening to the leading of God who was telling us, hey, 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 don't do that. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result to happen. Insanity. That's how we got there. So, I, mm -hmm. yeah, insanity is what it was. And the thing about it is, is that we, we really, it took for us to be at rock bottom to realize there was nowhere else that we could go but up. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, and I, so I have not had a chance to read your book yet, although I have a copy. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. so for the listeners, uh, you need <laughs> to go get Mignon's book right now. It comes out <laughs> May 9th, and it is called Made from Scratch, Finding Success Without a Recipe. And, but what you were alluding to sounds so similar to the same come to Jesus moment I had with God in church one day. Um, I'm telling you, we are there. Uh, listen, there's something here. We are sisters we from are. another mystery. Yes, we are, Mignon. 
<laughs> because so much like this, what is this? The third thing that we've had in common yes. or the fourth already. And that's why I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. I had to get really transparent and vulnerable here. I always thought that I was an open book. And I realized how closed off I was and how what happens in my house stays in my house mm-hmm. and those types of things. But I realized that I had I had to tell this story for the other people who were raising their hands and say, I'm by myself so that I could say, no, 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 me too. Me too. That was me. We were on the verge of homelessness so many times, but God, you know, and I, just God you know, Mm -hmm. without God. And the thing that it showed me was that the things that I thought were happening to me were actually happening for for me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And if we take the time to like, sometimes God be like, okay, Mignon, go back and read what I just said and read it one word at a time. And sometimes if you take it slow and you take the word of God like that and you just take it, one little word at a time, you find a whole new meaning in that. And so as I was reading that Bible verse that all things work together for, okay, go back, all things, all things, all of the time, that means not some things, not some of the time, work together, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how it hurts, no matter the joy that you get from it, the laughter you get to experience, the highs and the lows are working together for your good. And that's the thing that keeps me going when it's hard, that all things work together for my good no matter what it looks like. So this might be hard right now and I can do hard things, girl. I have learned to Mm -hmm. do some hard things and you can do hard things maybe just for a little while. But God also promised me that he wouldn't give me anything that he wouldn't walk through with me. That he said, if if you make your bed in heaven or if you make your bed in hell, I am there. Mm -hmm. And so when I started realizing that God would be with me, he wouldn't give me anything that I couldn't handle, that everything was working for me, that meant it wasn't going to be over until I won. So I've always... I've taken it from there that, okay, this can't be finished because I haven't won yet. So Mm -hmm. until I'm victorious over this thing, I still have more to do or I've still got further, further to go. One of the things that I already know about you, and I know that this is something that just, I mean, it radiates from you just in looking at you, but is the joy that you're filled with. And and Mm -hmm. obviously the title of this podcast implies that I I love to laugh and, and see the joy in the in the heart. Um, and that's and mm-hmm. so I also am in the process of uh, I'm actually in the editing process now of my first book, um, which is uh, which is a memoir. Yeah, I know. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. It comes out next spring. Um, but one of the things that have and I know that you kind of alluded to this because I'm telling you when you write a book, especially a memoir, it just will one, it puts you through the ringer. But two, you learn a mm-hmm. lot about yourself and you really start to see the threads of your life. And one of the threads of of my life that I see so much in what you're sharing as well is is the threads of your life is this navigating this tension of grief and joy and hard and mm-hmm. and beautiful and the good and the bad and that God is in all of it. And um so I, I, my question for you is, 
what is the thing that has helped you to find and choose joy in those hard times so that you can move forward in this obedience to what God's called you to do? Because I was scared of God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really felt like I had an encounter with God at 317 in the morning. I would bring the sun up most days while this was happening, just reading the Bible and just trying to have an encounter with God and understand why he was waking me up for this. And he was waking me up because all the things I was asking for. And a lot of times I have been journaling everything. By the time he stopped waking me up, I had filled an entire journal book and I take a journal book wherever I go. It's usually got certain things that make it a good journal book for me. It'll it'll fit in my purse. It's usually about five by seven. It has a ring binder and a, like a ring binding on it. And it's got two hard covers so I can stick it in and out of things and it not fall apart. And so I've been writing those things that I was asking God for. And I started realizing that those were my prayers. Well, when you're asking God for stuff this big, you're also asking him to take you through some stuff because he's not going to just hand it to you, right? It, there's There's got to be a strengthening of your soul. I, I got on, one of my team members sent me this morning something that someone said about me on Twitter, the old me would be crying about that. Mm. It's like the new me is laughing about it. First of all, you have no (laughs) idea of what you even said or what you're talking about. Whereas before that would have hurt my feelings. Like, how could you say that it wasn't even true? And now Mm. it's just like, you have no idea. You don't even know who I am. and You don't know what you're talking about. And so I had to go through some stuff in order to get there, right? Because I had to I had to get this skin thickened up. And had I not had those experiences, I wouldn't be able to do this now. And so I was afraid of God. That's what made me stick to it cuz literally I felt like I was telling you earlier, I get joy when I know for sure that I have heard from God. Like he was talking, ain't no way this wasn't God because there's no way I could have, you know, thought of this on my own. And one of the things that the word of God tells us is that the Holy Spirit will whisper to you things that are about to happen. And so when you know, I think there's like 7,000 or something like that. 4,000 or 7,000, can't remember, promises in the Bible that belong to us. If we just get in there and find out what they are, we can say them back and say, God, you said, you know, I think about my children. Mommy, you said you were going to do this. Or my grand, my granddaughter is famous for calling me and telling on her mom. My, she should be like, Emmy, my mom said that she was going to. I'm like, girl, that's she's the mama, but I'm going to get her. So just don't tell her that I said that. <laughs> That's the beauty of being a grandmother. (laughs) Yes. I was afraid of what God was going to do because he had already told me, listen, don't change from what I told you. No matter what it looks like, keep to this path and you will be successful and you will have life. And I started realizing that God came so that I might have life more abundantly. He didn't expect me to live mediocre. He didn't expect me to do mediocre things. And that's what I was doing. I was being mediocre and I was living a mediocre life and I was doing mediocre things, quitting on things that I started on and that sort of thing. That wasn't what I was called to. But even with my name, I learned that 
when I entered into the room, people would say my name twice. I said, oh, what does that mean? You know, they were taking notice of my name before I even started taking notice of my name. Mm -hmm. So there just were things that God had placed on the inside of me that he wanted me to he wanted me to live for and that he had already set up for me. And I had to go through some stuff in order to get to the place that he was taking me. Oh, man. Did that make sense? Yes, absolutely. This is, yeah, this is so powerful mm -hmm. and such a lesson for so many people um, because we all face that in different ways. And if you haven't faced it yet, you just haven't mm -hmm. lived long enough yet um, is when mm -hmm. you get to mm -hmm. sort of almost like a crossroads where you have a, mm -hmm. you have a choice. You have a choice to make. Mm -hmm. um, and, mm -hmm. and choosing joy is often really, really, really hard. Um, yeah, it's not the it's not the first thing that somebody, you know, will want to do. So what I do for myself is when I don't feel like it, because I don't always feel like. It. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you know what I'm noticing now, Molly, is that when there's a quote, you've heard it before a hundred times. When you smile, the whole world smiles back at you. Mm hmm. It's so true. Mm -hmm. It's when you smile, like when you are truly smiling from your soul, the whole world smiles back at you. But the same thing happens when you frown. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. same thing happens when you're ugly on the inside, you know, and you're nasty to people. The same thing. People give you nasty right back. Yeah. People give you ugly right back. I um went into... Usually when I go into the doctor's office, my name is going to get mispronounced. <laughs> You're like every That's time. I say, you know, like that cannot be my real actual name, right? You just need to and have so me film a video <laughs> saying Mignon Francois and then just have, yeah, you, you should just be like, so well. <laughs> just, this is how you say my Here. name. <laughs> Here you are. Here's, here's a French lesson for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I walk in and the girl, you know, I'm there for the first time and the lady calls me Mick non really loud and it's embarrassing for me and then God said to me when I was leaving why does that embarrass you mm. and I said huh that shouldn't embarrass me that someone else doesn't know how to say my name but I had a whole conversation with one of the other people in the office who also called my name you know, she called she called my name right. And I was like, thank you for saying it right. She said, girl, I practiced before I came in here. And I just appreciated that she put some care behind it. But the first person I said, yeah, it's Mignon. And she just looked at me like, I don't care. Mm. And and I said, it's Mignon you know, like that. And she just looked at me like, why are you saying that twice? And so then I kind of just shrunk back, right? So it goes down to that whole, when you smile, the whole world smiles back at you. But when you treat them like you don't care, you don't give them any concern, they give you the same thing back. And then as I was sitting there shrunken in my chair, God said, I didn't call you to shrink. I told your parents what to name you. And that's what I want somebody to hear today. Whatever God called you, you get to get to walk in what God called you. And I was sitting there and I decided to put my shoulders back and I decided to be Mignon and I decided to show up like Mignon and I continued to smile even though she refused to give me a smile. 
the next person whose office I went into was happily waiting there to try and say my name right. Because that matters to me. It matters to me that people say my name right. It matters to me that I learn your name. It matters that I say it right. Like, because as a kid, I've been just so like downtrodden about my name and embarrassed by my name and and ridiculed by my name that the next person, because of my attitude, wanted to at least try to get it right and practiced it before she even came in the room. And I think that's that's the key. When you smile, the whole world smiles back at you. Mm-hmm. And some people who only see nasty people in the world and mean people in the world, sometimes you got to. I think what it was is when I was much younger, I allowed the mirror to be flipped on my face. Mm. And I started to realize what I looked like to people and what I was putting out wasn't what I wanted to get back. So I practiced smiling. And when I practiced smiling, people would start not only noticing my name, they started noticing my face. Mm -hmm. And they say, every time you walk in the room, it just lightens up. Yes. Really? You know, and then I, it does. And then I just get bigger. Right. And so I just think we are called to so much in this life, not just our purpose with our job, not just our purpose as mothers, not just our purpose in our career. We're called in the way we enter rooms that we would leave a piece of God behind or a piece of that thing that changes the atmosphere or the community or shows other people what it looks like to get to walk in this community of believers with God. I think you have so much that you're called to. Even when I came in this morning to sit down with you and I was so excited about today, I was so excited about the name of this podcast because guess what? I can laugh and cry all at the same time. And it could be sadness and joy all in the same thing. And what I love the most about laughter, Molly, is that It's a universal and primal language. Amen to that. You know, everyone knows what that is, no matter what culture you're in. They know if you're laughing for joy, if you're laughing out of embarrassment, like it comes across. People know what joy is. They know it at the most basic level in any language. Yes, that has always been my mantra as well. And just um, it is the great unifier is laughter is the great unifier and it disarms people Mm -hmm. um, because if Mm -hmm. you get somebody laughing, it starts to break down walls or um, just facades or um, things that uh, we might preconceived notions about one another. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. Mignon, I can have you on the show all day long, uh, and I know we're running out of time. Um, but uh, for the listeners, wow, it's already time. I know it's already time. It's that's what happens. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, so for yes. the listeners, I will be sure to have um, the link to Mignon's book in the show notes, so you can go get it now. Um, but, but before we go, I mean, these are this is the time where we ask some just kind of fun rapid fire okay. questions right here at the end. Okay. All right. So the first question okay. is, what is the last thing that made you laugh other than being on this show, obviously? <laughs> oh my gosh, because I'll say, I've been laughing the, the whole, whole time. time I've been with you. 
<laughs> I was talking to my sisters. My, I, I think the thing that makes me laugh the most, I laugh at myself. Oh, yeah. Um, I was talking to my sisters and they were all in town. And I had something that I had to go to, a dinner I had to go to. And when I got to the dinner, they were looking all over for my name on, on the reservation. And they couldn't find my name anywhere. And so they looked at the reservation list and the dinner that I had gone to that day had happened a week before. And so I go back home all excited that I get to be with my sisters and they say, wait a minute, you went on the wrong week. And they started crying, laughing so hard that I started laughing and crying. And so I think the thing that makes me laugh the most is when I see other people laughing, even if they're laughing at me, because I've learned to laugh at my own pain. It's contagious. (laughs) So that never gets old. It never gets old the way they were crying, laughing at the fact that I went and I'm standing in there all dressed up. I had gotten my hair done. I was all ready to go. And I was always late. Oh my goodness. I love it. Okay. When they watch this back, they're just going to pause and just start laughing. All over again. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Um, what is the last thing that brought you to tears? Mm. Oh my gosh. The last thing that brought me to tears. I don't know. I don't like meanness. Mm. You know, I've, I can, I have cried at the news. I think the last thing that brought me to tears was watching the development of those children from the Covenant School mm. here in Nashville yeah. uh, who were shot um, and just watching the response of the first responders who were also visibly shaken by the news. Yeah, uh, it's it's inconscionable considering the fact that we go about our lives and we just don't know, you know, like the evil that exists in the world, mm-hmm. I, I literally sat there and sobbed yeah. for those parents who also oftentimes can, the ones who are going through it, oftentimes are the one that's bring you out of it. Mm. And that, that was, that's been something that's been hard on Nashville. And it's just kind of been a sadness over the city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, like I said, I think it's important to, to not, bypass the grief and to Mm -hmm. not bypass like God gave us all of these emotions for a reason. Um, and it's okay to like sit and to lament. Um, and I was actually just in the book of lamentations this week and just that, that precedent Mm -hmm. for it's okay to Mm -hmm. cry out and to, to Mm -hmm. say, God, why? And sometimes things don't have like a beautiful, happy bow on the end of them. Um, but it's, it's really important. And again, it's, it's that connector and it humanizes us. All right. Well, then my last question is, um, what is the thing that just brings you the most joy? Mm. I would say besides knowing that God has spoken to me, uh, my grandchildren bring me the most joy. First of all, I think cake is my love language. Oh, amen. So if you make me a cake, I don't care where it came from. It doesn't necessarily just have to be from the cupcake collection, even though I believe that we have the best cake in the world. I love cake so much. The fact that cake takes you back to a time where somebody really saw you, they really thought about you because you can't just throw a cake together. Right. So I think being seen um, really brings me joy. But other than that, my grandchildren. What do they call you? Most people are like, what? What Emmy, because I'm award winning. 
Emmy. I love that so much. Stop it. <laughs> That's amazing. And I just could not be called grandma. No, you're not grandma. That was not happening. You're not grandma. You're Emmy. I <laughs> but love it. Just, just seeing them and their excitement to see me. One of the littlest ones, um, Ayla. Ayla is about to turn two and she knows my voice. And so when I call on the phone in the mornings, Ayla screams my name, Emmy, Emmy. And then she just bursts into laughter. And it's like her laughter is intended to make me laugh. And I say, yes, girl. And she just cracks up. And then she screams my name, Emmy. And then she just laughs from her gut. And that brings me joy. They each have a different, you know, thing that they do that bring me joy. But my joy, literally, now I understand what my mother says. She could have took her grandchildren first and never worried about ever having us in the first place. Oh, I love <laughs> it's it. It's like, lady, I feel the same way. <laughs> oh, so good. Mignon, this has been a pleasure, a treat, a delight. Thank you for being here. And thank you for um, just the joy that you bring to so many people. Thank you so much for just letting me laugh on your shoulder. I hope you loved this conversation with Mignon. She is just a phenomenal human being. And I am so grateful to have had her on the show. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was a moment that made you laugh or cry or anything in between. Let us know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Can I Laugh Pod wherever you get your social medias. And would you take a moment to head on over to whatever podcasting app you listen to? And would you leave a review of the show? Leaving a review really helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. As always, thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And for you, I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. See you next week. Bye. Bye.